Good morning, Hopevale. Will you please stand to your feet? Let's join our voices together and sing, sing to the King this morning.
mighty Father forever and forever and forever. Forever and forever we will lift our praise to you. Forever and forever you will be exalted on that praise. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your presence here today. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, we're so glad that you are here with us today. We want to welcome you to Hopevale. Um, If you would please just take a moment before you're seated, turn and greet those around you. And if you also could, if you would just kind of squeeze in, we've got other people who are trying to come in and find some seats. That'd be great. Thanks. All right. Good morning. Me again. Yeah. Hey, my name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to hang out with students all the time and really help them grow in their identity toward the gospel. So thank you guys for allowing me the opportunity to do that. A couple of things for you. Uh, The first is if you are new here, if this is your first time ever, you're checking it out, you did not want us to do this right now, we would love to meet with you. We would love to chat with you. We're not going to make you come up here, although you never know. Okay, I'm just kidding. We won't make you. But there is a welcome center right out here, right behind. If you go out these doors and you come right to the center there, there's a welcome center right there. We would love to connect with you. Uh, We can do that one of two ways. We'd love to do it in person. But if you're like, hey, Brent, the last like meet and greet time really (laughs) is too much for me. We also have uh, these little guys. You were handed one of these maybe when you walked in or you tried to sneak by. But grab one of these and fill this out. And you can actually tear off the bottom just like that. And if you've been here for 100 years or you just got here, we would love to connect with you. Uh, We would love to take some time. Maybe you have a prayer request or maybe there's something going on in your life that you want to get celebrated about or get us excited about. Uh, Or maybe this is your first time and you're just looking to connect with community and meet people. We would love to do that with you. And this is one of the best ways for us to be able to connect with you. You can just drop this in the offering plate as it comes by. We would just love that. Also, whether you're here for the first time or you've been here forever, Uh, We would love to meet with you out in the hub. Uh, There are elders there that would love to pray with you on what's going on in and through your life. Uh, If you've got things that you need prayer for, there are elders in the hub after each service to connect with you and just talk with you and pray with you on that. We would love to do that with you. Uh, There are a couple of announcements, too, as we get going into the Christmas season. And I know you're not supposed to say that word before Thanksgiving, so, like, be cool. But my Christmas lights are already up. Who's out there with me? Yeah, because I love it, okay? Like, look, if Thanksgiving, you know, we're not going to get into that fight. Okay, but with the Christmas season, we have Christmas Eve services, Uh, And Christmas Eve services, there are a couple of opportunities. If you'd like to join us with your family to serve in any of those services, this is a great way for us to connect with you to serve as well. Um, There's a lot of people who come in throughout the the area, families, friends, and we want to give them an awesome opportunity to experience Christmas with us. Uh, And some of that helps uh, when we have people serving either in the parking lots or, or in the kids' ministry area or all over the place. We have so many different ways for you to serve. So if you're interested in that, I will be out there by the hub as well. Please come talk to me. I'd love to connect you with a service opportunity uh, this Christmas Eve for both of our, or for both days of our services because we got a lot of fun stuff planned for that. And as we kind of move into a season of Thanksgiving, because we haven't forgotten it even though the lights are up, uh, as we move into a season of Thanksgiving, we have the opportunity uh, to bring forward our first fruits. We have an opportunity to bring forward our generosity in this season. So we're going to ask the ushers to come on forward. Um, And I just wanted to say, uh, there's a 
This season is our first season with you guys again. I guess it's 2.0, Thanksgiving 2.0. And if you don't know my story, I'd love to share it with you. Um, but we have the opportunity to be here in Thanksgiving and surrounded by friends and family. And we just wanted to say thank you. Uh, from my family to yours, we're just so excited to be up here. Uh, and, and also, we get to do student ministries, which a lot of you guys don't really know what that is, but, but we get to hang out with the 4th through 12th graders, and we get to hear stories from them and talk with them and go deep with them and push them in their identity toward the gospel and not rooted in anything else. Um, and it's because of your generosity that we get to do that. It was because of your generosity we get to take them on missions trips. And it's because of your generosity we get to have retreats and all of the things. And so we just want to say thank you. From my leaders, from my, from my staff, from our teammates, thank you for all that you do. There are so many things that we are doing in our community. And it all comes from your generosity right now. So thank you for bringing forth your obedience to God. And we're going to pray as we take the, and receive the offering. Heavenly Father, we just can't thank you enough. In a season of thanksgiving, in a season of remembrance, in a season of time where we sit down for a minute and we just take a pause and we watch the lions play, if that's what you want to call it. Lord, there's also this season, this whole season where we, we remember. There's this whole season where we reflect. There's this whole season where we take, um, kind of take measure of what you've given us. So God, I pray for everybody in this room that we would remember all that you're doing in our lives that are good. And for the people who are going through a really tough time and the people who are having a really hard struggle in this moment, that they would still remember all the things that you're doing that are good. And God, I pray that uh, as we receive people's gifts, that you would allow us the wisdom and discernment to know how to best distribute those to our community and abroad. We pray these things in your name. Amen. From Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people. We have so much to be grateful for. So much in this season of of gratitude and remembrance to remember. We'll be taking communion later and remembering the cross, but this is also a time to remember Remember the goodness of God in your everyday life. Remember the common graces and how he's walked alongside you. We'll get you standing in just a minute.
song say you've been so so good to me 
And there's this line in that song called Remembrance that says, into a new covenant. And there's this idea that Jesus is inviting us into a new covenant with him. Um, So we're going to enter into a time of communion. And we're going to enter into it a little bit slow. uh, And we're going to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross just under 2,000 years ago. That something happened that day. See, Jesus was, was crucified by the Roman Empire, and there's history that tells us that all over the place. It's not just the Bible we get that information from. And it, that Jesus was buried, which is, again, historical documents that tell us this is a true story. This actually happened. This guy named Jesus was crucified, was buried. And then something happened three days later. Something happened where the grave was empty. And even Jesus' closest followers weren't really expecting it, even though they were told it would happen. And so we're going to take some time, and we're going to remember that time. If you're here, and this is maybe your first time, and you believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we want to invite you in to taking communion with us. We want to invite you into this moment. Um, and, and parents, if you're here, you got your kids here, you got your students here, and maybe they don't really understand the gospel just yet, or maybe they're not quite there yet, uh, this would be a great opportunity just to let the plate pass. Also, maybe a great opportunity for you to kind of explain to them what we do and why this is something we do. Um, and if you're here and, and you're, you're really just figuring it out, we just want to say thank you for coming and welcome here. And be, don't be afraid to let that plate pass. Because uh, we would hate for something that means so much to us to become just another ritual of something that you feel obligated to do. We want you to want this, and we want you to answer those questions before you enter into this time. And so as our, as our ushers come down to pass out the elements, you're going to get two things. Uh, you're going to have two cups, and they're kind of layered there. Um, and so on, on the bottom layer, uh, you'll find the bread. On top layer, you'll find the juice. So make sure you take both, um, or, or you might be disappointed in that. Um, but as we go through, we're just going to take some time and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. Heavenly Father, you've been so, so good to us. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't track because there's always this feeling that like, why would you do this for us And then we connect the opportunity to know this because you love us. You you love us and you just love us so well, so much better than we ever understand. And so God, I pray as we take a minute and we remember what you did for us. As we take a minute and we, we take time to remember what happened. God, I pray that you would allow us the opportunity to come closer to you and take one step closer to you. In your name, amen. Ushers are going to pass those elements out. We're going to give you a time, and then I'll come back up to lead us through the moment.
On the night that Jesus would be betrayed, he's sitting with his disciples and he's sitting around table and they're talking and, and Jesus does something that's a little bit a little bit weird in the way that Jesus would go. He stands up or he sits down, he just kind of gathers attention and he takes bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same night, in that same moment, as Jesus is sharing, he pours wine into a glass and he kind of lifts that up and kind of draws attention to it. And he says, this is my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. as we take these elements and remember what Jesus did we're going to close the time of communion with a prayer that you may be familiar with and this is called the Lord's Prayer and we just want to invite you as I lead us through would you read with me our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us for communion. Good morning, Hopevale. It's great to share this day of worship with you. Communion Sunday that we're sharing at both locations today. I'm Dan Davis, a senior pastor, and so good to worship with you on this last Sunday in November, the Sunday leading up into Thanksgiving week. And trust even today, uh, your heart is stirred for the things that you are thankful for, blessings seen and unseen, big and small, praising our God from whom all blessings flow. I do want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City. Great to have you along, meeting in the middle school today. Hope uh, you're having a great Sunday of worship. Today, today, we are going to wrap up our series on faith through the 11th chapter of the New Testament book of Hebrews, where we've been learning these life lessons from faith heroes who have gone before us. Lessons about genuine faith in the living God that have been both profound in their implications 
as well as practical in their applications. So like we saw in the opening week, faith is not seeing, yet believing. Not seeing, yet believing, right? Faith is the confidence in the assurance in a God that is real and a God that is good. So that even though we cannot see him with our eyes, we can and we should believe in him with our hearts, not seeing yet believing. And faith is also not knowing yet trusting. We walk through the story of Abraham in Hebrews 11.8, that Abraham, when called, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going, that you don't have to know everything before you trust God with something, right? And so when it comes to us following God into an unknown future, he calls us to take the next step in front of us, the next step, or maybe even the next leap, even though we might not know the four or five steps that come after. And we can do that because our God can be trusted. And then last week, through the life of Moses, we saw that faith is not applauded, yet rewarded. Not applauded, yet rewarded. That the life of faith is neither a life of universal affirmation, nor is it a life of instant gratification. Two things that are very countercultural. Neither universal affirmation nor instant gratification. No, if anything, our faith will be tempted. It will be tested, just like it was with Moses, tested by hardships and tempted by the shiny, hollow treasures of this life that pale in comparison to a far greater reward in Christ. And so as we follow God, fueled by a stronger no, fueled by a better yes, we need to keep chasing after that far greater reward, namely the riches of heaven and the glory of God, which in the end we will discover will be more than worth it. Faith is not applauded, yet rewarded. And that's where we've been so far. But as we turn the page to today, begin to wrap things up and think more about faith we need to tackle some faith issues that are both current and controversial. Current and controversial, and yes, I did notice that when I said the word controversial, you perked up a little and leaned forward in your seat, right? But the reason I want to go there is not to stir something up. No, the reason that we're going to talk about some current and controversial faith issues is because that's what this morning's passage in Hebrews 11 addresses. See, that's what I love about the Bible. That God's timeless revelation of truth speaks to the timely topics we face in our lives. The Bible is both timeless and timely, God's inspired word to us. So with that in mind, I want to ask you a question about faith. Does God want you to be rich? Does God want you to be rich? And if you are not rich, is it because you lack faith? Does God want you to be rich materially? By the way, we can take these questions and just do some variations by swapping out the underlying words with other words, like does God want you to be healthy physically? And if the reason you're not healthy physically is it because you lack faith? Or how about words like successful, comfortable, prosperous? You get the picture, but let's just stick with the money question, okay? Does God want you to be rich? And if you are not rich, is it because you lack faith? Well, before we try to answer these questions biblically, we first need to talk about a belief system that has affected, some might say infected, 
contemporary Christianity in America, and it's something called the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel teaches that financial blessing and physical well-being are always God's will for us, and that they can be ours when we act in faith. Financial well-being, right? Blessing, physical well-being. They're ours. We act appropriately in, in faith. So having more faith, thinking more positively, speaking more confidently, giving more financially, specifically to certain ministries and personalities, that these actions will increase our material wealth and improve our physical health. And so the prosperity gospel views the death of Jesus, the death that we have celebrated today, not just as the atonement for our sins, but also the alleviation of other curses in life, like sickness and poverty. Curses that can be broken if we only have more faith. That is the prosperity gospel. Now, where might you encounter this prosperity gospel? Well, you might find it in a local church here and there, but you're more likely to run into it on Christian TV or books, podcasts, websites. Now, if you've been part of Hopevale for a while, you know that I rarely, if ever, mention specific names. Right? And the reason I do that really is rooted in the golden rule that we need to treat others the way we want to be treated. And so I, I really try to give people the benefit of the doubt. But there are times, even without knowing the person, that you can interact with the content. And some of the content, quite frankly, is rather eye-raising. And so right out of the current headlines... There's one high-profile pastor with a huge TV audience worth mentioning. It's a woman by the name of Paula White. Paula White, not Paula Dean, that's the southern cooking lady, but Paula White, right? Now, while you might have stumbled across her while surfing the TV channels, Paula White has gained even greater acclaim recently as our president's spiritual advisor. Now, I bring that up not to get into partisan politics, but just to help you connect a name with a face, with a story, with a Christian belief system that is rooted in the prosperity gospel, a movement that has affected, infected parts of American Christianity. And so just a couple weeks ago, Paula White sent out an appeal to her ministry followers with these specific words, quote, I decree a prophetic instruction for your sudden defeat over your enemies, and victory will be yours. And in order to attain the victory, she told her followers to send $229 into the ministry. It's a direct reference to an Old Testament passage, 1 Chronicles 22.9, a promise to King David, which says, Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies. See, rest from all his surrounding enemies. For his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. Now, is that from the Bible? It is. But is that why it was written? And is that what it really means for us? No way. But she goes on to write, it is a specific seed. Now, the idea in the prosperity gospel movement with a seed gift is that you give in order to get back. It's a specific seed because, quote, numbers are important to God. And I believe God was very clear when I received the word that this $229 seed gift given in faith can break any chain. Now, not to be uh, snarky. Okay, maybe just a little. Um, she goes on to say that if people cannot give $229, then they should give $31 instead. 22 plus 9 equals 31. Okay. 
And then after you give the gift, she will send a bottle of anointing oil that she's prayed over personally, that quote, I need you to apply anointing oil, which is in the Bible, but not for these purposes, to your head, to your loved ones, to your house, to your vehicle, and even to your checkbook, anywhere where you feel attack. And this is just one example of many that you will see out there with the prosperity gospel. So can I just give it to you straight? The prosperity gospel isn't spiritual, it's superstitious. And while it uses verses from the Bible, the teaching isn't biblical, it is heretical. Right? I mean, just to be clear right up front here at Hopevale, we reject a prosperity gospel like this. We do, we consider it outright heresy. We do not believe it is God's will for every Christian to be materially rich, nor do we believe, even more importantly, that if you're not rich, it's because you lack faith or because you haven't given a seed gift. That is just wrong. It's also wrong to think that more money will automatically bring you greater joy as if material wealth is the point of Christianity because it is not. Listen, this stuff fires me so much, not just because it is deceiving to people in the name of Christianity, but it is also demeaning to Jesus, if you think about it. It's not just deceiving, it's also demeaning to Jesus, that if somehow we think Jesus died and rose again to defeat your enemies of debt and low income just so you could drive a nicer car, live in a bigger house, or pay for all your streaming services, right? I mean, that is just so infuriating. It's just so insulting, especially on a communion Sunday, right? Now, we need to think about faith differently than that. We do, but don't just take my word for it. No, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read some more stories about some other faith heroes that the writer of Hebrews wants us to know about. So, if you have a Bible with you, paper or electronic, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick things up in verse 32. Remember last week, we left off with the story of Moses, the miracle of Jericho, the walls coming down, and the faith of Rahab. So verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, heroes from the Old Testament book of Judges, which comes right after Joshua, or David, that's King David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. These victories, it's tremendous to read. Verse 33, who shut the mouths of lions, Daniel, quenched the fury of the flames, perhaps his three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, and who routed foreign armies. This is just really inspiring stuff as we see what God did through these people of faith. Let's keep going. Verse 35, women received back their dead, raised to life again. We read stories like that in the Old Testament of both the prophets Elijah and Elisha. There were others who were tortured. There were others who were tortured Refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better torture. Now that, that can't be right. I mean, if God is real and God is good and people have faith, that, no, I, I'm sure the next verse is going to clear it up for us, right? Verse 36. Some faced jeers and flogging. Even chains 
and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. Where's all the prosperity, right? Verse 37. They went about in designer sheep's... No, I'm sorry, it doesn't say designer They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I love that. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. You know, I think of the story of Abraham, right? This, this life of faith was a life of earthly unsettledness. He was a, quote, stranger in a foreign country, just as they were. And yet, these were all commended for their faith. God said, way to go. Yet none of them received this side of heaven, what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for, not them, us, isn't that interesting? Something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Like I kept scratching my head when I read this this week. Why does it say something better for us and not them? Then I realized that these heroes of the faith named and unnamed were given a part. And they faithfully played that part in God's bigger story of him fulfilling his promises, ultimately in the Savior to come, Jesus Christ. With the blessings that something better, one day, they'll receive, and we all, as believers in the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, we all will share together. Listen, I don't know how any sane person could walk through a passage like this. New Testament passage and believe in a prosperity gospel. Unless you somehow think that a quote-unquote prophetic word in the present carries more weight than scripture itself, which is just plain wrong. I mean, I get why we want to believe something like that. After all, who doesn't want more money? Who doesn't want less suffering? Who doesn't want more ease? But these verses in their proper context make it clear that Material prosperity is not the measure, nor is it the outcome of commendable faith. All these were commended for their faith. That's how their earthly lives turned out, and they did not receive this side of heaven what had been promised them. Faith isn't about being plentiful. No, faith is simply about being faithful. Faithful to trust in the Lord, to take him at his word, to live as we saw in the words of the Apostle Paul, to live or walk by faith and not by sight. And so faith is not only not seeing yet believing, not knowing yet trusting, not applauded yet rewarded, but these other faith heroes have also taught us that faith is not prospering. In a financial sense, in a material sense, this side of heaven. Yet it is prevailing. Prevailing. Now listen, God might. He might entrust you with a good amount of material wealth in this life. Also, you need to know, the Bible's clear that having a lot in and of itself isn't necessarily a sin. Nor is it a virtue either, right? 
No, Jesus makes it clear in the parable of the talents that life isn't measured by how much you have, but it's rather measured by what you do with what you have, right? What you do with what you have and how we all steward what God has entrusted into our care, our time, our talents, and our treasures. In order what? In order to be a blessing to other people and to help advance his kingdom of life and light and love on earth as it is in heaven. So genuine faith, it isn't about prospering materially. No, it's about prevailing eternally. Prevailing eternally that even in the midst of incredible trials and enticing temptations, faith perseveres all the way to the end until we finally encounter our great God face to face when we experience that something better that he has planned for us as his children. And when that time comes, what a moment it will be, not prospering yet prevailing. So what does all this mean for us? How should we try to merge more specifically these two worlds of money and faith in a way that is God-honoring, in a way that's biblically based? See, to me, what's so frustrating, what is so dangerous about the prosperity gospel is it takes genuine biblical themes to non-biblical extremes. Biblical themes to non-biblical extremes because as Christians, we are called to give. We're called to give financially to the Lord and to, to his work in this world through the church, through other credible ministries. And as scripture teaches, God does honor in a faith way. He honors our generous and sacrificial giving. Not in a seed gift kind of way where my motivation is is to give in order to get, right? But God does honor our giving. God provides for our needs when we act in faith and respond in gratitude. And like so many other things we've talked about in this series, I know I know it makes no financial sense for us to give our money away to be a blessing to others as an act of faith. On the surface, it doesn't make sense, right? Because having less what? Having less makes me more vulnerable. Having less makes me trust God more to provide for my needs. Having less forces me to take God at his word that the treasures of this life truly do pale in comparison to the greater reward to the something better that awaits me in eternity. And so if we are going to let the Bible instruct us in how the worlds of money and faith should merge together, then we need to direct our passages, our our, our attention to passages like Hebrews 11, or like the very words of Jesus himself, who drew the contrast very distinctly in Matthew chapter 6. Take a look. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, as if that's the point of life where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, that you and I cannot look to material treasures to give us the security, the significance, the satisfaction that our hearts deep down long for. No, instead, verse 20, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, that giving to the Lord, and sharing with others in need, that investing in the lives of people, that these are the things that matter most and last forever. Now here's the punchline, verse 21. For where your treasure is, what you value the most, where your heart is drawn towards, right? There your heart will be also. I mean, Jesus said a little earlier in this passage that our hearts have only room for one true love. 
Our hearts have room for only one true love. So the temptation of money, wealth, and possessions will do whatever it takes to try to be that true love, that first love. Whether it's motivated by the fear of running out or the desire of wanting more. Either or, or sometimes it's both. The fear of running out, the desire of wanting more. And yet Jesus says when we are generous as an act of giving in response to our faith, we fight that temptation off. We make more room in our hearts, which is really all about us experiencing that capital L life that Jesus came to bring. Listen, just because there's false and harmful teaching about faith and money in some pockets of Christendom doesn't mean we reject the topic entirely. And I'm not going to be shy encouraging you to give to the Lord here at Hopewell and store up for yourself treasures on earth. Because when you give, you make eternal investments that strengthen this church, that bless our community and our region in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. Eternal investments. You know, I think just two weeks ago here in Hopewell, Saginaw, we had the privilege of witnessing men, women, boys, and girls publicly declare their new life in Jesus Christ through believer's baptism. It was incredible service. And along with that, we also got to hear some amazing personal stories of profound life change, because that's what Jesus does. He changes lives. And so, for instance, I think of the testimony we heard of a young woman named Marie. Growing up, Marie went to another church for a while with her family, but then she just stopped going. Marie's in college now, and she's studying uh, interpretation for the deaf and hard of hearing, and so as a class assignment, she comes to Hopewell. She comes to Hopewell to observe our interpreter, Linda, right? That's how God brought her to Hopewell. And we all have incredible stories of how we first walked through these doors. And so before Marie was baptized, this is what she said. So I came to church, and from that point forward, I fell in love with the church, and I trusted in Christ. And what a great God story, right? Of how God works through his church to be a blessing to others. Of how he works through people like you and me to share and to shine the good news of Jesus Christ, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. The treasures that matter most, the treasures that last forever. Faith is not prospering, yet prevailing. Not prospering financially, yet prevailing eternally. And so I want to challenge all of us, myself included, to pray, to act in faith when it comes to giving to the Lord here at Hopewell. Between now and the end of the year, we are going to share some special giving opportunities that we want you to consider. A week from this Tuesday on December 3rd, we want everyone who calls Hopefield their church home to once again participate in something called Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday with a gift over and above what you already give to help out our ministries here at Hopefield. You know, we always have needs this time of year to help reach our budget goals, and this year's no different, especially right, as we're continuing to strive to extend our reach into this region as one church in two locations. And so you're going to hear more about that initiative coming up. And then later in December, we're going to launch our annual Christmas outreach offering. This is going to be our 10th year. Our 10th year of receiving additional gifts from our church and using those gifts to bless others beyond the four walls of our church, both locally and globally. Exciting opportunities, and I know, listen, I understand that everybody's financial situation in here is different. Some of you are sailing along while others are struggling to get by. Struggling, I I get that. 
And so when you hear me talk about faith and money like this, it's not to guilt you, but it is to guide you, to guide you scripturally and to view this area of your life with the eyes of faith and to act accordingly. Again, Hebrews eleven six, one of the theme verses for our series says this, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. A faith that influences every hour of our week, all 168 of them. And a faith that impacts every area of our life, including the financial one. And when we live by faith, we can be confident that God one day will, like we talked about last week, reward us with the something better like we saw today. A something better that is far greater than we could ever imagine. So, what is faith? Faith is not seeing, yet believing. Not knowing, yet trusting. Not applauded, yet rewarded and not prospering, yet prevailing. You know, I hope this journey through Hebrews chapter 11 over these last four weeks has both challenged and encouraged you to live by faith and not by sight. That you can truly trust God with every step you take. And as I wrap things up today, as we conclude this series, I, I have one confession to make, right? I... I told you that this would be a series through Hebrews chapter 11, and we have covered every single verse, all 40 of them, in chapter 11. And, and, and there are a few more verses, though, that I want you to see at the beginning of chapter 12, because this is where it all comes together, and I really believe this is going to help strengthen your faith for the future, because the Bible doesn't end with the Old Testament. And as we celebrated to, in communion today, the story gets even better with a new covenant. So let's look, listen, and then we'll close in prayer. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these heroes of faith that have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, those distractions, those temptations that want to rob us of the greater reward. And instead, what? Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer, the example, and the perfecter, the savior of faith. Faith is perseverance. Back to verse one. Perseverance. Right? Faith is Perseverance. And faith is fixing our eyes on Jesus. In the eyes not seeing, but believing. And why is he our pioneer? Why is he our perfecter? Next slide. For the joy set before him, that better yes, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus was rewarded, not right away, but he has re rewarded this place of exaltation, this place of honor, because he lived by faith. He did the will of his father. He got his reward. So, for us, verse three, consider him 
Think about him. Look to him. Fix your eyes on him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. Didn't have universal applause, right? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, I think that very opening statement from the very first message, when I said to you, sometimes it is hard to hold on to your faith. Sometimes it's hard to hold on to your faith. And you know what it is? It is, because guess what? Sometimes we do grow weary. Sometimes we do lose heart, but it doesn't have to be that way. We do not have to let opposition, we do not have to have hardship, have the final say in our lives. No, why? Because we have a crucified, we have a risen, we have an exalted, and we have a soon returning Savior. A Savior who is greater than any trial we'll face, who is better than any temptation that'll come our way. So let us, by faith, fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what faith does. Fix our eyes on Jesus, now, always, and forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for this series, for expanding our vision of what really is and isn't faith. And what faith should be all about. Because Jesus, first and foremost, it's about you. It's about us fixing our eyes on you. Both the salvation you secured for us and the example that you left for us. And so my prayer for everyone here is that you would give them the gift of faith. Faith that is not just a feeling, an emotion, but a faith that is an action, that is a place of trust that radically affects the way we live every hour of our week, all 168 of them, and every area of our lives. And where we're lacking in faith, God, forgive us that we would live life in faith and not fear. Lord, some people today need encouragement. Encouragement, Lord, because they really have grown weary. They're losing heart. Would you fill them with faith? Free them from fear. And Lord, others of us, we need to be challenged because maybe we're keeping our hearts or an area in our hearts away from you. Give us the faith to let go and to look up and to trust you with every next step we take so that we would live, we would walk by faith and not by sight. So where we lack, would you meet us? And would you give us faith? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a great series, and uh, we sang this toward the beginning, so this is a great song to wrap up. So as we worship our God, would you stand as the worship team leads us?
to soften my heart and break me apart and I need you to open my eyes to see that you're shaping my life and all I am and I surrender 
great statement to make at the end of our series, and I would encourage you uh, to continue just digging deeper into this whole idea of what it means to have faith. Those beginning verses in Hebrews chapter 12 that fix our eyes on Jesus are phenomenal. I'd encourage you to continue to read those uh, this week. Again, as you heard Pastor Brent say, we have prayer in the hub afterwards with our elder and leader couples. And if you, again, just something stirred up in the service, you'd like someone to pray for you and what you're going through, encourage you to go there. Next week, we begin Christmas here at Oakville. It's going to be phenomenal. You'll walk into a decorated uh, sanctuary and uh, lobby space, and Pastor Sam is going to be kicking off a series called Good News great joy. We're looking forward to that. But as you go from here, may you go in faith. May you have a blessed Thanksgiving as well. God bless you.